It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition, select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Hey, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm senior editor Josh Norris, and this podcast is presented by MyBookie. This week, we are with Zach Friedman, who is the Pacific Northwest Area Scout for the Philadelphia Phillies. Hey, Zach, how are you doing? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing well out here. I mean, it sounds like your region is a little uh, uh, iffy right now, but you know, I'm wishing you know, good health and safety to everybody out there, you and your family, and everybody kind of involved in the Pacific Northwest and California and what's going on there. It seems like a really scary situation right now. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of crazy just wishing everybody up here good health and happiness and everything like that with everything going on. Hope everyone's been able to stay safe and everything like that. So we are, you know, going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your path to scouting, but our relationship kind of begins a little before any of that. Like, I met you in April 2013 at PK Park when, you know, Stanford came to Oregon. We're both Oregon alums. Uh, and I was there my first time to see uh, Mark Appel pitch. Do you remember that game at all? Yeah, I do a little bit. Um, I remember I was actually – the game that Appel actually pitched, I was there with my mom, um, but I know that we met the day after Appel pitched. Um, but, yeah, it's been crazy to get to know you and see our paths go for the last eight years and everything like that. So how long after that – I mean, what, what did you do to get yourself hooked on with the club, and when did you quickly know you wanted to be a scout? Yeah, so I – Started school at University of Oregon, like you said, we're both Oregon alums. Started school in uh, September of 2012. Uh, so as a freshman when we met at Oregon, um, spent that year trying to figure out what I specifically wanted to do. Did I want to help out the Oregon Baseball Club um, or what path did I really want to take? Um, so I spent that summer uh, doing an internship with a sports agency. Um, then I spent the first three months of my sophomore year helping out the Oregon Baseball Club. Um, but then when the opportunity came up to be an associate scout for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, under the guidance of area scout Sean Whalen, uh, I jumped on that opportunity. Um, so I was an associate for Sean for the last three years of school. So what did uh, Sean and the Brewers have you do as part of that uh, associateship? So basically just try to help out Sean the best I could, um, whether that be be at Oregon when he couldn't be um, to give him either velocities on pitchers, 
um, to give him my opinions on uh, a hitter that I potentially liked or that I saw, um, just to help them out as best as I could um, when other people weren't able to be there. And what did you learn about player evaluation and scouting during that process from the Brewers and Sean? I learned that, especially as more and more time goes by, how little I knew at the time. Um, obviously, I played my whole life, played all throughout high school, and um, played against some very good players down in Southern California. But um, the more and more you watch and you learn and you try to get a little bit better, that the more you look back on your time back then, how little you knew. Um, so Sean just helped me in so many different ways, from breaking down a pitcher's delivery, breaking down a pitcher's arm action, uh, what he specifically looks for in a pitcher, uh, what he specifically looks for in a hitter, uh, with a hitter's approach, a hitter's timing, hitter's rhythm, um, things that a lot of us look for um, when trying to break down players. So that lasted through your senior year at UO, correct? Correct. And then you didn't hook on the, with the Phillies until a bit later. What did you do in the interim? So uh, when I graduated school, um, I had some opportunities to actually interview for a couple area jobs, actually a couple with the Phillies, um, a couple in the Midwest, and then one down in Texas, and then uh, a couple other teams reached out. Um, but none of those opportunities worked out. Um, Brewers offered me an opportunity to go do, uh, be the minor league video uh, associate uh, in extended spring training, uh, spring training, extended spring training, and then the Pioneer League season. So I spent four uh, months living in Arizona uh, and then three months living in Helena, Montana, uh, running around, uh, getting all the videos, setting up seven cameras every game, and, uh, capturing all the information and running it all through bats and things like that. Um, and then spent a year um, actually back home in Southern California doing commercial real estate. Uh, and then Johnny Amaraz, uh, our former scouting director with us, uh, called me and said, hey, we have a potential opportunity up here in the Pacific Northwest. We'd like to interview for it. So uh, interviewed for me, uh, that for me, and uh, was hired in October of 2018. So when you're doing your commercial real estate at that point, did you think this might be the end as far as scouting was concerned? Or did you, did you always believe that that opportunity was going to come? Uh, I was I, I was very lucky. Um, I was maybe a little too... Um, optimistic at the time, uh, looking back on things and how everything's changed in the world and everything like that. But um, I knew I always wanted to get back into baseball. Um, just things didn't work out that following year leaving Milwaukee. Um, I knew I always wanted to get back into the game no matter which way I could. Um, and thankfully, Johnny and I had a relationship set up from when I interviewed for those area jobs two years previous. Um, and things worked out and things worked out for the best where I love it up here and um, love being the Phillies area's got up here. So when you get that job and you're learning you know, your territory is the Northwest, what's the, the first thing you do to kind of get your, get your feet on the ground? Cause I can't imagine there's a whole, there's a big uh, kind of buffer period for you to just, you know, ease in slowly. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, uh, the day I, like a couple of days after I was hired, uh, I flew from SoCal to Seattle, didn't have a place, uh, didn't know where I was going to end up either renting a place, buying a place, or ended up buying a place in Portland, but it wasn't for a couple weeks. Um, so my next day was at Safeco or T-Mobile Park, um, that they call it now, uh, watching Oregon versus University of Washington play. So that was the very first day on the job, hop in the car, here's your area, go attack it, and uh, 
I, I thank Johnny a lot because he, he trusted me. He let me do it on my own, try to pre-plan and uh, do a lot of things on my own where um, I was trying to organize myself, but also at the same time had some footing in the area from my uh, four years at Oregon. Um, but at the same time, it was a little bit learning on the fly. Did you even have a radar gun at that point? <laughs> I actually did. Um, so I actually had my own. Uh, I had my own camera as well. So I, I was in my own stopwatch. So I was a little bit equipped uh, where uh, some other people might not be. But at the same time, I was, I was fine with all that stuff. So when you get that call and you get that job, just kind of how elated were you to, to get, the, get what you've been working for? I mean, it's, it's not something that people always get. Uh, they, don't, they don't always achieve what they're working for. And you did it at a relatively young age. Yeah, so it was it was actually four days after my 25th birthday. So, uh, yeah, young and everything like that. And it was a long, interesting process for this particular job. I knew that uh, Hilton Richardson, who was the area scout up here before me, had left uh, to take a position at Boise State um, in, right after the draft that year. So I reached out to Johnny and started to get, started to get the ball rolling. Um, we talked very briefly when I flew out to North Carolina that summer to go watch college national team, um, just to try to get a little bit more exposure, try to see some more players, things like that. Um, Johnny, uh, myself, and a few of our other scouts talked down the line at area codes uh, that year. Um, then we officially did the interview um, three weeks before my 25th birthday, um, where it was myself and uh, our national cross checker, Daryl Connor, one of our other regional areas, uh, area supervisors, Brad Holland, and Shane Bowers, my regional supervisor, um, all interviewed in Newport Beach, California. Um, but it was a long, drawn-out process, and man, it's it, it's it's that feeling when you get that phone call and you see Johnny Amaraz pop up on your screen, and you sneak out of your commercial real estate office, and you're like, Johnny, what's up? Any good news? And he's like, Yeah, congratulations, blah blah blah. And it was an unbelievable feeling. So, how do you think scouting has changed in the short, relatively speaking, time that you've been involved with it from simply kind of learning the ropes to now being a, a seasoned professional? <laughs> I, that's maybe a little bit too much praise to call me a seasoned professional at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, it, the more and more you learn and the more and more time, I mean, I've been in this job, what, about 23 months now, um, you're seeing the game progress at such a more rapid pace than you maybe have seen in the past um, eight years or so. Um, and, and my approach to scouting and everything in general has changed a little bit too, where um, I wanted to be more old school and everything like that growing up and trying to learn the game from an old school perspective. Maybe video wasn't that big of a deal, blah, 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 as you work your way towards everything. But now I'm like, I want as much information and everything like that as possible, where I am open-minded to any piece of information or any piece of data that could potentially help my do my job better. Um, because at the end of the day, the worst case scenario is it, the information is useless. Um, so I like to try to stay as much op as open-minded as possible uh, when all that stuff is brought to my attention, um, because I think it can only help. So how, how much more information do you have at your, your fingertips now than what you did beside the fact that you, you, know, you are part of a club and you probably have a little more given to you than you did when you were just on your own, but how how much more information do you have than than you would expect to have? Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's any uh, 
I don't necessarily have like as more information than I would expect to have. Um, I just try to get as much information as possible for myself, whether that be through video or whether that be through um, seeing all the other information out there, whether it be Rapsodo data or Blast data or uh, anything like that on a potential player um, and things like that. This year with the Phillies, you uh, you reeled in a pretty big fish. You got uh, you got Mick Abel in the first round, but it's been a weird year. You know, you have you you have a history with Mick, obviously, but you haven't been able to see him for a while. So what what was the process like, kind of scouting him for this year and then, you know, when the time came for the Phillies to turn in their first round pick, you know, how confident could you be in saying, yeah, this is our guy? Yeah, so the very time I saw Mick was actually the area codes, um, whatever, two, two summers ago now, um, before I was even hired by the Phillies. Um, so obviously stood out there, which is the way the arm worked, the athleticism, the feel to repeat, um, the feel for all three pitches, fastball, breaking ball, changeup. Um, he just had all those starter ingredients that you're like, okay, this is a guy I really need to bear down on in the next 24 months or so um, before the 2020 draft. So saw him there, um, saw him at PG National uh, before his senior year, um, saw him at Area Coast before his senior year, then saw him with Team USA as well. Uh, and then the last time I saw him throw was uh, in January, basically the last week of January. Um, roughly six, seven weeks before everything shut down. Um, so felt confident, confident in my opinion on the kid. Um, had seen him pitch quite a few times at that point. Um, and he just had everything for me. Like, that was the greatest thing about going out and traveling. That's where so much things have changed over the last year or so uh, with both summers, where two, uh, last summer I got to go out to PG National. I got to go out into the Cape. I got to go out uh, – Team USA, area codes, underclass area codes, all those different events. So I got a pretty good idea of what the country had to offer um, from an amateur talent perspective. And I thought Mick was at the top, to be honest. I mean, he just had everything that I was uh, specifically looking for in an amateur pitcher and specifically an amateur right-handed pitcher, uh, just from a size perspective, a delivery perspective, an arm action perspective, uh, his field to repeat, his field to pitch, his competitiveness. Um, and just the stuff. I mean, all those ingredients for me where I felt extremely convicted in my opinion on him, um, maybe too much so, but at the same time, like, um, I'm a big believer and you got to trust your gut. Uh, and I, I thought he was one of the top end uh, potential prospects in last year's draft and couldn't believe we got him at 15 and very happy we did. So what, uh, what was he like as a person? I'm sure you did your, your homework, you know, on in-homes and getting to know the kid. And obviously he has a brother who is still at Oregon State. What, what is Mick like as far as makeup is concerned? Yeah, Mick's makeup is top-notch, at least a 70, if not an 80, in my opinion. Just from a competitive standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, uh, a driven standpoint, um, he's a very, very smart, driven kid. Um, the high school that he went to, is uh, one of the tougher private schools from an academic perspective. Um, so he's always pushed himself in the classroom and he always knew that he, he was very intelligent, but at the same time, there were gonna be kids at his high school smarter than him. And I think he would tell you the same thing. So he always tried to push himself, whether it be in the classroom, whether it be in the weight room, whether it be on the baseball field, he's always trying to push himself. So um, me and my cross checker, Shane Bowers, actually did our in-home in 
January with Mick and his family. Um, and then uh, we had a Zoom call uh, with a bunch of us uh, throughout the department with Mick and his fam, uh, with Mick specifically, uh, Neil, Mick's dad jumped on for a little bit, but mainly just Mick and picking his brain about it a little bit and talking about his approach, talking about his game planning, talking about his understanding of information from a data perspective and uh, all those different types of attributes that uh, Mick does so well to bring to the table for us. You know, we talked about, you know, how your uh, development as an evaluator has gone over the last few years. How do you learn to evaluate makeup? Because it's one of those things that's super important, but not always incredibly tangible. Like there's no, you don't look at the back of a baseball card and see that guy's got 667 makeup or whatever. So how have you learned to gauge that in a player? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think that a lot of it's going to be through learning through mistakes, to be honest, because at the same time, like there's only so much you can know until you truly get to know the player as best you can. Um, at the same time, you got to trust your gut. You got to trust the people you trust. Um, you got to make phone calls on that specific player, whether it be talking to uh, his individual pitching coach, whether it be talking to his hitting coach, if he's a position player, uh, whether it be trying to talk to his parents as much as possible, just trying to paint the picture the best you can and gather as much information as possible. But at the same time, unless you're that actual person, you know you're going to probably miss something specific. Um, but you can just bet on your gut, uh, bet on guys who like to work. Um, I mean, we, I signed a kid out of driveline uh, named Albertus Barber, uh, who's got like 90 work ethic, where I just knew that no matter what happens with that kid, that kid's going to go work his butt off uh, to try to be the best player he can be um, and things like that. So I like work ethic. I like uh, people who are well humbled and grounded and just play the game really, really hard. Um, so those are some things that, that I like. How much of that kind of, uh, how do I put this? How much did you get from simply being around the Oregon baseball team in the capacity that you were in terms of gauging makeup? You, you got to be around those players when they were unguarded. You know, they're not away from the, they're not with the media. They're not doing interviews. They're just being themselves. And how could you learn to kind of gauge a player's makeup that way? To be honest, I didn't spend like too, too much time with both the team and also the players. Um, and in my role there, um, it was more of a shorter process where I was just basically helping out um, more so from the video perspective just for those three months versus uh, spending more time with the players. So uh, more of my time getting to know makeup um, came more along the lines of my time with Milwaukee that year after college. Um, and spending it with all those players in the clubhouses and um, my time doing all the video for them. So that's where I could kind of see more players a little bit more unguarded, uh, how they were when they got to the field at potentially 1 p.m. in the afternoon or with, whether uh, how they were after the game when we were having our post-game meal and things like that. So how many, I, I do a lot of video too with, with Baseball America. Which are longer hours, scouting or cutting up what seems like interminable amounts of video? uh i don't know um i like to work hard uh i like to work um i think that most people that know me well know that um i don't mind doing the crazy road trips i don't mind going to see hey i heard this name all the way over here and all this stuff just to make myself sleep better at night so um both 
have very long hours. It's just a matter of um, there's a little bit more structure in, in the role that I was in that one year in Milwaukee where um, you had all the minor league games and you had to be there and you, you were going to have to cut up the video that night or very early in the morning to get it all processed and shipped in and things like that. Where in this job, you got to be a little bit more of a self-starter, to be honest. You got to be able to go out and work because at the end of the day, it's, I got, if you want to include Alaska and um, all the parts of Canada and Montana and Wyoming, my area is like 1.95 million square miles or something nuts like that. So um, you got to want to be able to go out and do and see and go see players and like players and things like that. Where's the, uh, the most kind of remote place you've gone to watch a game to, in, in your area? Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, I guess like Vauxhall, Alberta is pretty remote. Um, and we ended up drafting a player out of there two years ago in the 33rd round. Um, so I, I, there, I mean, I've been to Anchorage. Um, I've been to like uh, all the way out in Idaho Falls. I've been to Billings, Montana. Uh, I don't, Billings isn't that remote. Not, neither is Idaho Falls, but probably, um, as you can tell, just anywhere in my area, um, Vauxhall is probably the most remote. So scouting this year, uh, because of the pandemic and all the things, like obviously you guys were banned from doing much of anything until right after the draft. And even now it's not real normal. But what, what is scouting like in 2020 while we're still in the throes of a pandemic? Yeah, it's different. Um, just trying to be safe. Um, I wear my mask everywhere to all the games uh, and things like that. So I'm just trying to stay safe, wash my hands as much as possible, try to socially distance best I can. Obviously, that not at all times is going to be possible, but um, try to wear your mask. But set, at the same time, for me, um, try to be aggressive as well. Try to go out and see players, see games. Um, there's nothing too much too wrong if you're standing by yourself in open air with your mask on watching a player play. So um, I still try to go out and see as much as I can. Um, I've probably seen more in my specific area than I would in a typical summer, um, just from perspective of limited travel and no pro coverage this summer and things like that. Does the, has the quality of baseball changed at all? Not that I've seen. Um, I mean, I still think there's very good players in my area. Uh, there's very good players I've been able to see for this upcoming uh, draft in 21, but also trying to get out and see some 22 and 23 players as well. Um, so quality baseball is still pretty good. Obviously, there's going to be some rust. I saw that really early on in the in the summer where some players were a little rusty and things like that. But credit to a lot of those guys because uh, even during everything that was going on, they still tried to, whether it be T, because I'd see on Twitter and things like that, like T work or doing bullpens and things like that. So uh, credit to a lot of players in my area that stayed sharp or the best they could uh, and got out and played as much as they could or um, that was in the safest uh, measures for them this summer. Was there any trepidation or fear about going out to scout in under these conditions? Oh, yeah. I mean, there definitely was. I'd be lying to you if um, I said otherwise because there's just – so much we don't know. Um, there's so much I think we don't still even know about this virus in specifics that there was definitely trepidation. There was definitely worries. Um, I just, you just don't know um, a lot of things that were going to happen, things like that. So 
Um, yeah, at the same time, like I was trying to do my best to, again, socially distance, wear my mask, wash my hands, drink a lot of water, get as much sleep as possible, try to do all the things that were in my own power um, to put my, myself in the best uh, position to be safe and okay. So I'll just I'll close with this. What's your, uh, your, your favorite place to watch a game in your territory? Ooh, um, there's a lot of them. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of great areas in my area, um, whether it be Vancouver, British Columbia, or, um, I mean, PK Park in Eugene is home sweet home in a little bit of a sense. So that's great. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, weird as it says is like, I, I like traveling. I like spending time in my area. So, um, as much as I can go out and see players and see games, you'll find me pretty happy. Well, thank you very much, Zach. I really appreciate the time you've given us today and, you know, good luck the rest of the year. And let's hope this gets back to normal sometime soon and we can all be at ballparks without masks and without fear. And, you know, we can all pretend this never happened. Yeah. Thanks so much, Josh. I appreciate it.